This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. Here's your host, Corey Tusick. This is the Bitcoin Made Simple Podcast. I'm your host, Corey Tusick. On today's episode, I interviewed Ben Perrin. He is uh, the host of BTC Sessions on YouTube, um, and you can also find it on he does his live streams on youtube and twitter and also uh podcasts go out on the regular podcast channels um he had an epic uh he had an epic panel last week with uh, michael saylor and preston pish jeff booth jack mallers and american hodl and then a bunch of others joined um so i we talked about that but we uh you know we talked a lot about the uh, shrinkflation uh how products are shrinking so that the inflation can be hidden um you know we talked about bitcoin maximalism and and also was curious to hear you know how he got into bitcoin and and the origins of his um you know show he's been doing it for five years now so uh, if you haven't seen it before strongly recommend it um and then also uh he had some advice you know i asked him for advice you know for me but for anybody that's interested in getting into bitcoin um content creation so um yeah if you want to reach out to me just email me the show emails bitcoin made simple podcast at gmail.com and on twitter it's at bitcoin simply i hope you enjoy the show sounds good so you did get the you got the the lighting and everything going and yeah it doesn't take long to set up it's all good yeah <laughs> I, i'm jealous of the setup um as you can tell today i'm doing an outdoor recording because um we're currently we've outgrown our house and um my home office has been overtaken um and we're in the process of moving and all that great stuff so i'm just like i'm slowly getting shoved outside and i think <laughs> next thing I'll, I'll be doing in from the middle of the road um, yeah no kidding right when the when the family takes over the back porch or whatever <laughs> yeah yeah so but i'll be I, I need to get a in our new house my wife wants to put like a library in so i'm like okay i could have maybe i could do it down there and have all our fancy books in the background but then it's gonna be like pride and prejudice and everything <laughs> yeah yeah exactly you can have well there's a lot of people go the route of green screens i was i'm, I'm not one of those I, I like having my my shelves and my like node humming behind me and stuff like that i've t- took a bit of time to to get it the way i like it so i'm pretty happy yeah. with it now yeah well hey ben thanks for coming on i really appreciate it yeah man no worries glad to chat yeah so um so i have to ask you first are you in you're in canada um are you in the people's republic of ontario i am not i am in the texas of canada which is alberta um beautiful yeah it's it's still uh, i mean it's not as crazy here i would say um it's been somewhat reasonable it's still a pain in the ass um but you know, you take it where you can. So uh, I'm I'm excited to get down to uh, Bitcoin 2021 in Miami. I'll just say, <laughs> and go outside and not get arrested for it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like here, it's not um, like I've seen. In, and my sister lives in LA, and I was asking her about how it is down there, and, she, and I'm like, do people wear like masks outside? And she's like, oh yeah, like all over there, they wear them outside, and then like if you don't, people kind of give you a weird look and like in certain parks you have to wear it's if you're outside here like you just you're outside you know it's not (laughs) yeah it's not crazy 
yeah mm-hmm. so it's 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 somewhere somewhat middle of the road but yeah I'm, I'm i'm excited to do some traveling i know i want to miami and all that kind of stuff and um it's going to be much different pennsylvania where yeah we're kind of like that where people know people aren't really wearing masks outside um mm-hmm. but you know you'll occasionally see people that are and you're like you know, all right um yeah, i mean and sure. like i i try to be sensitive to it just for like not for like the people that are crazy about it for unnecessary reasons. Like my mom was going through chemo in this, in the fall. Oh and like, yeah. You know, so for that reason, like she was, you know, and everything went well and, and she's fine, but like, you know, she, her immune system was taking a shot. And so she wore her mask. I think it like, not if she was walking by herself, but like at like T-ball games and stuff, you know, like around other people. Yeah, that's fair. I, that I, scenario, tend to... I get it. Yeah, like I tend to be in the camp of people should make their own decisions, right? Like if you want, if you're worried, if you feel vulnerable and you want to wear one, have at her. If you're a private business and you decide that that's going to be what happens within your private business, that's fine. Where I kind of go, think it goes off the rails is when it's mandated for everybody blanket. Um, I'm not a big fan of that. I kind of lean I, I guess you could say in the camp of like libertarian, like, you know, do whatever you like, as long as, as long as you're not uh, uh, really causing problems for other people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I think this is, this whole situation is pushing a, a lot of us more libertarian and more libertarian where it's just like, it's like, leave me alone, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, so I got to ask you first with BTC sessions, your show on YouTube and it's like your, it's a syndicated, you put it everywhere, right? Like podcast and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I just started doing the audio uh, version of it within the past year, but um, like primarily YouTube and then within 24 hours, if it's news or an interview, then I'll put it on podcast platforms as well. Um, what were the origins of, of your, I guess of the show, but also, you know, how you got into Bitcoin? Um, so in terms of seeing Bitcoin, I, I kind of noticed it a few times throughout 2013, you know, the odd article here and there. Um, and every time I, you know, it's usually an article about price and mm-hmm. every time I saw it, I was like, Oh, that's interesting. But I think I missed the boat. And, you know, you see it at $10, then a hundred dollars and a thousand dollars. And the last time I was like, okay, let's do a bit of reading here and see yeah. what is actually going on. Um, luckily I spent enough time. I spent a few months actually kind of digging in and trying to understand what, what the hell it was. Um, and at that point, as I started dabbling and, and buying a little bit, I, understood enough about the fundamentals to not be scared off by like really easily dispelled FUD. So like, um, you know, in 2014, an exchange called Mt. Gox went down Mm -hmm. and it it was like the largest exchange on the planet, but the, the headlines were, Oh, Bitcoin got hacked. But I knew just from very, very, uh, the limited amount of reading that I had done that that wasn't the case that it was just a poorly run business that lost people's money. Um, and so I was able to kind of weather that storm and kind of stack sats through that, that bear market. And uh, I just kind of said to myself, Hey, if, if the um, initial promises and, and kind of the, the use case of Bitcoin is still there and isn't broken, then I'll just keep, keep gradually accumulating. And so I did that. Um, 
it was difficult learning back then because there weren't as many resources as there are today. Now there's just so much awesome content out there. But at the time I was like, it's kind of hard to learn about this stuff. Maybe I mm-hmm. can, once I start learning enough myself, maybe I can do some basic tutorials to help people through. And that's kind of what I did. I started that in uh, early to mid 2016. And at the, at the time I said, Hey, I'll just do one video per week on whatever I decide to do. And I haven't stopped. And in fact, I've kind of up to the frequency. Now I do about three videos a week. And yeah, I just started covering, you know, what's a wallet? How do I start one? How do I secure my Bitcoin? How do I avoid scams? How do I use certain apps? And then I started mixing in interviews and panel shows and news and all that kind of stuff. And the show's been running for over five years now, over 4 million views and over 50,000 subscribers. So it's been uh, a hell of a ride, that's for sure. (laughs) And so now, is this your full-time gig? It is. Uh, Around 2017, I started working full-time in, and I hate this term, but I have to use it given where I was working. I I started working in crypto Uh full-time. So I was working, I did some like working with with exchanges and everything. Um, Around 2019, I I switched over. I worked, I did uh, some contract work for Bull Bitcoin, which is a Canadian exchange, which is Bitcoin only. Um, And I was already kind of leaning that way anyways. Uh, but yeah, I did some work off and on for various companies. And then last year, about mid-year, uh, I just kind of, I said, screw it. I'm, I'm just going all in with this. And uh, uh, luckily and it worked it just out. took off. Yeah. And here yeah. I am. <laughs> well, it seems to be going well. Um, so you, uh, you know, you, gradu- you gradually get your way up. Um, I mean, you said there's no content. So back then, Cause even now, like I'm producing this to basically try and be more information for people to learn. Um, and I'm also afraid to not afraid to ask the stupid questions of like, like I asked somebody like, what was a stable coin? Cause I heard so much about it. And I was just like, I mean, am I missing something? Like, what is it? Like, you know, and, um, yeah. and it's very simple. And then you're like, okay, all right, I'm not an idiot. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but the back then it had to have been pretty, barren i mean because i do remember trying to research stuff and it really was like mount gox got hacked and you're like oh like this isn't good and then you know so you're you were kind of on your own there for a little bit and yeah it was pretty much just trial and error most of it it was like okay i can get some tidbits of information here um you know back then the only good talks that were around were basically like andreas antonopoulos um so that was helpful in the grand scheme of things as to like the importance of Bitcoin. But it, when it came to like tutorials of how to use a wallet and how to secure your Bitcoin and how to do all that kind of stuff, it was, oh, read this Reddit post or go to, uh, you know, bitcointalk.org or, you know, read this blog, whatever it may be, or this these complicated set of instructions or go to the GitHub and look at the how to. <laughs> and you're like, mm-hmm. what am I, what am I doing here? And so, for me, it was just kind of, well, I'll just get my hands dirty and see how stuff works. And as I understand it, then I'll make a video about it. And and that's kind of just where it started. It was a lot of trial and error. Thankfully now though, there's, there's so much good stuff. There's so many amazing people that are putting out content that I'm, I'm glad that my stuff is still relevant, but 
there's so many people to choose from now and and that's fantastic mm-hmm. yeah i know i mean i i think it's not gonna hurt anybody because uh you know the more content the merrier and plus like if you're like me like i'm pretty much that's what i listen to you know i'm cutting the grass or you know driving picking the kids up from school all that kind of stuff it's it's pretty much bitcoin um and uh, either that or comedy, which my wife laughs at me because if I'm cutting the grass while I'm listening to like a comedian's like stand up or something like that, she's like, you have like this creepy smile where I'm like, just like kind of like giggling like randomly or whatever. And she's like, you look like a <laughs> psycho while you're cutting the grass. That's um, great. But uh, so the you, you spoke about you worked with uh, the crypto. You did, you know, the crypto a little bit. Um, but you're now, you know, obviously a Bitcoin maximalist i guess because which that's basically that's what i am too i don't mm-hmm. um uh you know isaiah jackson uh, the author of bitcoin black america he said he told me he said all roads lead back to bitcoin mm-hmm. and um and that's what i've found so what what was it that led you back to like you know did you get into crypto to look at like oh these are some cool ideas like how did that work out to get you to where you are uh, so i mean i think initially you get into this idea of, oh, well, if, if Bitcoin is viable, then why shouldn't these other things also be viable? And so uh, it, it takes, it's weird because it takes a certain amount of open-mindedness to shift from a world that we've already know, always known of, of fiat currency. And that's just what we've been born into to then accept an alternative form of currency that could be viable and that it could be monetizing and, and stand a chance at actually holding up against everything. So you already have to have a certain mindset. Unfortunately, that mindset, if taken too far, can get you to just blanket accept everything and assume, as I said, that everything else is valid just because Bitcoin was valid. But I think with enough time and actual research and fact checking, you discover that there was kind of like a secret sauce with Bitcoin that was very unique and has yet to be replicated. And the the decentralization and the immutability of, and this, the sound hard moneyness of it just cannot be replicated elsewhere outside of its current network effects. Um, coins that have iterated upon Bitcoin and made mild improvements have not gained the network effects that it has. And coins that have somewhat decent network effects, I'm talking about things like Ethereum, have made massive, massive trade-offs in decentralization um, to try and be different enough to convince people that they're viable. But the trade-offs that they've made are very much the backbone of what makes Bitcoin work. Um, If people can't easily run a copy of the ledger and all of the rule set and try to ensure that they are deciding what the protocol is to them, then you do away with the whole point of everything that we've built. So yeah, it, it was, it wasn't a closed minded endeavor in dispelling all of these other things and just saying, no, they, I, I don't want anything else. It was a, what do I want? And there is a checklist made in my brain 
And it allowed me to very quickly look at something and say, does it have this, 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 and this? And I just go down the checklist. And as soon as one of those boxes is not ticked, I don't mm -hmm. have to spend more time on it. Um, and so it's, it's so much easier setting in myself in that mind frame in that mindset um, to not waste so much time entertaining stuff that has gotten rid of some of the pillars that hold up Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, I found that you, I mean, the thing with Ethereum that I can't get past is that there's no hard cap. <laughs> yeah. You know, it's like they, they've got like willy nilly monetary policy that's dictated by whoever's in charge. And then, well, we're going to change this. The thing is, if you can make, if you can tighten monetary policy, you can loosen it. Um, and so yeah. it's just that constant threat. Yeah. Yeah. I, I just can't. And then like the gas fees and it's just, um, I think that everything it's trying to do can just be done on top of Bitcoin. You know, uh, I think it was Guy Swan was telling me, he said, he said, Bitcoin's the protocol layer. You know, it's, yeah. you know, you go to one internet, you go to T it's TCP IP. You don't use, you know, you might use Mozilla or you might use, you know, whatever, which Mozilla is a bad example because they have the, the basic attention token. <laughs> but yeah. um, no, that's, uh, is that Mozilla? I thought that was a uh, brave, brave browser. Well, I think he, uh, yeah, it's the Brave browser, but I think the it was the founder of Mozilla. Oh, okay, yeah, like I don't know. way back in the day. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, he uh, the Brave browser. I mean, I like that browser, but um, you know, I yeah, I think it's just all going to be built on top of Bitcoin. Yeah, yeah, it was it was a shame when they uh, introduced that and, and found it necessary to create a new currency for, uh, for that specific use case. Um, because the privacy centric idea behind, uh, Brave browser and the, the direct kind of compensation for consumption of content, I, I think is a unique and cool idea, but when it came to them, you know, doing an ICO and launching that, I, it's, it just, yeah, I yeah. put a bad taste in my mouth, unfortunately. Yeah. A lot of those do that. Now, what about like, um, like something like Monero and I'm not trying to get on like a crypto end, but like, you know, a lot of people will say like Monero's privacy, all that kind of stuff. And, and, you know, right now you have a lot of concern and I guess not a lot of concern, but just the, you know, us maybe making, exchanges do kyc and you know know your customer and and all that kind of stuff do you think things like monero's you know privacy is that just something like how lightning's going to be built on top where you just build it on top and you know have your yeah. coin join and, and then you're private yeah I, I definitely am all for uh privacy right and i think that's a great thing to have but again with the way that um, privacy coins are done, it, it can be uh, exceedingly difficult to, to audit and prove a supply cap. And mm -hmm. beyond that, it's also, again, in the network effects, when it comes to how certain are you that your, uh, that your transaction is final? That's kind of the, the game, uh, the name of the game here. And when it comes to, there's a, a really good website called howmanycomps.com, C-O-N-F-S. Um, and it says, 
compared to six Bitcoin confirmations on the Bitcoin blockchain, how long does it take each coin that is proof of work to achieve the same level of transaction finality? And I'm just looking at it right now. Um, so Monero is next to Bitcoin. It's fifth down the list. So it's, you know, it's pretty high up there in comparison to a lot of other uh, proof of work coins. But even being fifth down the list, it is 226 times slower than Bitcoin when it comes to like how certain you are that your transaction is final. Um, so the amount of security in a, a Monero transaction is is fractions of that in a Bitcoin transaction. Not saying that it'll definitely be reversed or anything like that, but you don't have the certainty you do with Bitcoin. In terms of privacy on Bitcoin right now, yeah, sure. It's, uh, it's absolutely something that needs to be addressed. I don't think we get it on base layer necessarily, or I don't think we get it easily on base layer. But I also think that moving into the future, a lot of people won't directly interact with the base layer. You know, the fees are, are very expensive. Um, you potentially have an entire world of people that will be using this base layer as kind of their, their, I guess, beacon of digital value. And so Bitcoin base layer transactions kind of become the equivalent of today's central bank settlements, but without the need for a central bank. And then layers on top of that allow you to have those day-to-day -day transactions, Lightning Network, all of it onion routed. So it's very difficult to audit what's happening there. You could have a coin join that opens a Lightning channel, which mm -hmm. further anonymizes what is going on there. Um, you can also use things like the liquid sidechain, which as long as you understand the trust trade-offs there also allows for confidential transactions where you don't give away uh, the amount or the asset that you're transacting with. So, you know, I, I'm fairly confident that we see options like this easily available on Bitcoin as second layers or side chains or whatever the case may be. Um, so I don't know. It, to me, altcoins seem like high time preference coins. And what I mean by that is everybody that's creating an altcoin with a specific use case um, that is just an iteration on Bitcoin or introduces something that Bitcoin can't yet do are just too impatient to allow the base protocol to be built and then have it go on top of Bitcoin. Now, I'm thankful for them to go out and experiment and do all these things uh, because then it can be even more easily ported to rest on top of Bitcoin. But yeah, it's if you're assuming that your slight iteration or your mild, mildly uh, <laughs> changed use case is going to make you a Bitcoin killer, it's probably not going to pan out for you in the long term. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, as much as people that like Ethereum try to say it's independent, it's like, well, you know, Bitcoin's what, like $57,000 and, and <laughs> Ethereum's 2000. So got a long way to go. And also I noticed that the price goes percentage wise in correlation with Bitcoin, like Bitcoin goes down. So does Ethereum. Like, you know, I've, yeah. I've never in the amount of time I followed, I've never seen, you know, Bitcoin go down 20% and Ethereum go up 20%. Um, yeah. Yeah. You know. And I mean, it's, it's liquidity too, right? Like 
Bitcoin is much more liquid than Ethereum. Um, pulling billions into or out of Ethereum on the regular would would slap around the price a lot more, which unfortunately contributes to the sentiment in in bull markets where everybody's looking at altcoins and trading them around because they're saying, oh man, look at, you know, Bitcoin's up five or 10% on the day and all these other ones are doing like 30. Well, I mean, it's the same on the downside though. You know, yeah. Bitcoin, Bitcoin has a bear market and it has like a, a, a temporary 70 to 80% drop and then comes back to hit all, new all-time highs in the next, after the next halving. Well, what did those other coins do? And especially if you start pricing them in sats, you quickly realize you've just lost half your Bitcoin. So mm-hmm. the opportunity also, cost. Some of them might not even exist, you know. Oh, oh Yeah. If you look at the top 10 or top 20 coins today compared to the top 20 coins of the last Bitcoin uh, bull market, it's like it's flavor of the week. It's just the revolving door of new coins that are just like Doge just got memed into surpassing what was supposed to kill Bitcoin, Bitcoin cash, right? Like it was supposed to be better Bitcoin with more transactions per second because that was like the narrative in 2017. And literally a joke currency was memed into a higher market cap than Bitcoin cash. And (laughs) I don't know, it's such a joke. I know. Like, I feel like the, the Doge is... It's like, I feel like Elon is into Bitcoin, like, because he gets it and he's serious. And then, like, the Doge is for, like, where he just wants to, like, screw around and, like, you know, kind of, like, mess with stuff. Because, like, I mean, he puts those memes out. You're like, there's no way that he's taking that seriously. Mark Cuban, on the other hand, I think is. I don't know. I know. Mark Cuban is such a clown. Like, I mean, you got to okay. So look at, I think it's a Taleb quote, which also that guy went off the rails, too. But whatever. (laughs) Um you know, don't, don't tell me what you think. Show me what's in your portfolio. And Elon's portfolio is 1.5 billion buy of, of Bitcoin and not Mm. Doge. So, (laughs) you know, like take, take his Doge tweets with a grain of salt. And many people aren't, many people are taking it as actual investment advice and thinking that he's going to, but he wasn't, he wasn't tweeting out like Bitcoin to the moon before he made the purchase. He was being careful about what he said about Bitcoin because he knew he was actively making that purchase and he didn't want more slaps from the SEC. If he's tweeting about Doge, I can I can near guarantee you that he's not slapping that shit on his uh, on his balance sheet for Tesla or any of his other companies. Oh, yeah. I mean, the, <laughs> and he doesn't respect the SEC, as he said. So yeah, he- yeah. Um, so one thing I wanted to, um, ask you about was something that it's, we're experiencing firsthand on, uh, I think of everybody will be, but something, um, that I can relate to, uh, with a unique thing where we're trying to build our house, but you were mentioning, I just saw your tweet like yesterday or something about bread and yeah. shrinkflation and inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, so for those that didn't, uh, see your tweet. Go ahead. Explain what you did with when you went grocery shopping. Yeah. So funny enough, the other day there was a there was a tweet from Coca Cola, and they said they were talking about how uh, the prices of of materials are have gone up, and so they have to 
they're going to be raising prices. And the quote that they put in, in the article, they said, we intend to manage those intelligently thinking through the way we use package sizes and really optimizing the price points for consumers. And that's another way of saying by uh, thinking about packaging and optimizing price points, what they're saying is how small can we make this and adjust prices to make it seem like you're not getting screwed. And a lot of people will blame this on the companies. It's not so much the companies. It's the fact that there's the same amount of stuff and people working, in fact, less people working. So probably even less stuff. And there's way more money. We've printed, I think in the last calendar year, they printed 30 to 40% of all existing US dollars, just as like a, a sample yeah. of what the just world as is. If done. you can, like a, you can do that, no, like willy nilly, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. So when you think of how many more dollars there are in existence, that money has to flow somewhere and that will then be reflected in prices given that the number of resources on the planet are limited and so is people's time. And so something has to give and that's going to be prices. And so I was talking about, hey, here comes shrinkflation, which is the practice of changing the size of the good inside the package, but keeping prices the same so it looks like you're getting the same thing. Um, this happens in a lot of places. Uh, if you look at cereal boxes, these are ones that are really bad because the front of the box it can be the same size, but the box can get skinnier from front to back. <laughs> so pretty soon it'll be like this, like size of a folder. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. It'll, it'll be, yeah, it'll be a manila envelope with a few Cheerios <laughs> stuffed inside. But I mean, th th there was a, a really good book that I enjoyed called, uh, this book will save you time. And they talked about like the prices of candy bars in the UK and Snickers candy bar in the UK, just in a matter of five years, basically the size of it got cut in half and the price of it doubled. So basically like 75% <laughs> inflation in that particular candy bar. Um, but a day after tweeting out about that Coca-Cola thing, I, I ordered my groceries and I've got this little box or this little like, basket that my bread goes in and normally every time i'm like ah it's just too small to fit the loaf and so the loaf would get like kind of all warped and a couple pieces of bread would get squished so i'd have to eat a couple pieces of bread to fit it in like uh -huh. or make a sandwich or something um and then my groceries came along the other night and i got a couple loaves of bread and i go to like expecting it to like bend as i put it in and it fit in perfectly. In fact, not even perfectly. There was a little bit of extra space. I was like, what the hell is going on here? Is this? And then both of them fit in there. And I look at the packaging and I'm like, okay, well, how, how, how many grams is in this loaf? And then I looked online to see like, cause I, it must've just happened, but I looked online to see what the typical size and some places still have the old, the old packaging. So the, the bread that I had was 510 grams. And the one that was, I saw still in some stores was 675 grams. So they, they cut out a pretty good chunk of bread there. And like, I didn't notice a, a change in the price. So yeah, it's um, again, like it, we're going to see a lot more of this. Like it, something has to give, you know, we just did our basement, the price of lumber um, from the time we started to the time we finished basically 
doubled and or tripled depending on when we bought our first. I can't quite recall, but it's insane. Um, mm -hmm. Same with the plugs, uh, all the electrical wiring, everything that we had to do down there. Um, just we literally watched prices increase as we went to as we went to pick up more stuff. It's crazy. So yeah, yeah. Well, so I was going to ask you your advice on that because um, so we our plan is like we have the plot of land and where we want to move and uh, and we had the house picked out and everything and it's like. You know, I mean, we had like the deposit down on the it's refundable so we can get out and, you know, be OK. But like the plan we picked for the house, it came in like one hundred and thirty thousand dollars more than we probably expected. And in turns out what it would have cost a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And and I was just like, oh, my God, like, you know, so we're just sitting here thinking we're like on the fence debating like, OK, is it gonna, is this going to keep going up price wise? Or is there going to be a, like a housing crash and, you know, like crash in the prices of supplies and everything? Because if it's going to keep going up, it, then the smart move is to just like, you know, take it on the chin and pay the extra money because otherwise next year you're going to be paying even more money. Um, and, and it's just this weird trepidation in the market that I've noticed because um, over the last six months, there were like tons of houses on the market. And once this once we saw the price, we were like, okay, maybe let's just look at what we could buy if we were to back out of construction. And we were looking at what there's like nothing on the market anymore. Like all of a sudden yeah. it dried up and I'm like, what? Something really weird is going on right now. Like, I don't know. <laughs> it's kind of like the most terrifying time to plan on moving. Um, yeah. I mean, do you think, and I'm not saying you have to have the crystal ball, but like, is it just going to keep going up? Are they just going to keep printing? And yeah, I don't see how they can stop printing. Like if they, if they stop printing, if they stop effectively, you know, holding this economy afloat and having the facade that a high stock market means that everybody's doing okay. Um, if they, if they stop doing that and they stop making purchases of things like bond, like if they don't keep the bond market afloat, it just everything collapses. They're, they're, between a rock and a hard place, they're not going to default on debt, um, but they will default just kind of via inflation. I think it, it'll be like, well, we'll just print our way out of debt. Like the U S is never going to pay back any of that debt. None of these countries are ever going to be able to afford to pay back their debt. The only way they're able to afford it is by, by effectively siphoning value from their constituents by printing more money. Um, and so, yeah, do I see this stopping? No, maybe there's brief pauses that cause panics in the market and then the printing presses get worrying again. But honestly, I, I don't see an easy stop to this. I, I, I think what you might want to consider is, you know, what's the home is for you, right? Like if it's a primary residence and I don't see spending money on my home where I'm going to live and raise my family as a, as a high time preference expense. It's, it's somewhere mm -hmm. where I'm, you know, going to grow with my family and raise my kids and do all mm -hmm. this stuff. And, you know, like I'm within my means with my home, I'm, I'm not 
going crazy with anything. I'm, I'm not overspending, but at the same time, like I want to have a nice home for, you know, they'll yeah. probably stay in this home for a couple of decades. Um, so yeah, like if you were saying, Hey, we're thinking of like building something and then, you know, doing some sort of investments, you know, like, or I'm, I'm buying a home for investment purposes that's a whole nother story because the breaks does on that, that. <laughs> yeah yeah because it is getting kind of crazy and frothy but um do i see the prices of materials coming way way down probably not and when you extend out to the lifetime of living in a home definitely not right think t- mm-hmm. a decade or two decades down the road do you think the cost of lumber is going to be more or less <laughs> yeah <laughs> i know that's the funniest thing i'm like it's it, once you realize how inflation works and you look at like, Oh, you're going to give me this price for this house. Um, and in 30 years, I'll still be paying that same price for the house. Like that's insane. Yeah, you yeah, know? exactly. It's um, I'm just afraid that it would, I was like, you know, watch us be, it'll be, we'll be the ones that make the purchase. And then finally the, like all of a sudden, like they stop inflating things and they're like, Oh, you know, we're going to go to a sound <laughs> policy and you know, yeah. Back to the gold standard, everybody. We're yeah. going to stop propping up the stock market. People won't have to uh, buy property to hedge their bets against inflation. <laughs> <laughs> Everything will be hunky-dory. Yeah, I don't, I don't think you'll have to worry about that. No, because, I mean, um, as a, even it's funny, like uh, last Friday, we were doing T-ball jersey. Like, all, like we were giving out, I'm a T-ball coach. So we're giving out the jerseys to the kids, you know, and, and I'm standing there with the other coaches. And none of them, you know, are like investment people or whatever. And, and um, I don't even think they know that I'm really into Bitcoin or whatever. And they're just talking about like the one guy, he was a, he's an electrician. And he was like, I just went to the store and bought like six months worth of wire. Cause this is going to, this is like, I can't pay this anymore. And, and I'm just sitting there trying to like put on a happy face. Like, yeah, this is okay. This is like that dog with the mug. of co- <laughs> yeah. Coffee. yeah, this is fine. You know? like, yeah, this is fine. This is, oh, this is man. not going to fall apart. And um you know and then i hear them talking about like they're like oh are you doing that doggy coin and i was like um i like no like i'm not um you know like the one guy knows that i that i uh do bitcoin and stuff so he was trying to like prop me up he's like talk to them you know you're the expert i'm like no 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 (laughs) i'm not i'm not there's many more people to listen to um so who have you had trouble getting your family on board with Bitcoin over the years? It took me a few years, but um, uh, my immediate family, I now feel much more comfortable that they at least have some Bitcoin and um, particularly my parents. I'm, I'm happy that they've kind of taken that dive. Um, Not everybody, like more of my friends are kind of on that train now. And I've been able to, mostly steer them away from diving down the, the shitcoin rabbit hole. Um, so yeah, will I ever be satisfied with having enough of my friends and family around me um, partaking in it? Probably not. Uh, but I do take solace in that uh, a lot of the cl- people closer to me at least have some level of exposure. Mm-hmm. Uh I, and it's funny because it's, it's like a, 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 
it's caring about them, right? I, I worry about them not having any exposure, right? Mm-hmm. Because uh, of what I see kind of coming down the pipeline. And I, I worry about the effects of exactly what we were just talking about, uh, everything being so much more expensive and everybody's salary being based upon current price levels and not what things are actually going to cost them and, and kind of hidden inflation and the government saying that things like the CPI, the consumer price index are actually reflective of inflation instead of riddled with holes and, and, and omissions. So yeah, I, I worry about a lot of people. I have successfully been able to get some very important people in my life to at least dabble. Um, Mm -hmm. And so hopefully that means they'll, they'll be quicker on board when shit hits the fan progressively worse. Yeah. What do you think is going to be that, that uh, hockey stick? I'm a hockey player. So, uh, and you're from Canada, so this all makes sense, but what's going to be that the next hockey stick that, uh, you know, we've been kind of floating. It's really funny that like people are kind of complaining that you're like hovering in the $50,000 range um, for per Bitcoin. But um, you know, what do you think? Imagine having this conversation, imagine having this conversation literally just one year ago, people bitching that we're at like 56 (laughs) K right now. Ah, been at 56 K forever. God, this is the world. What are we doing? It was funny. I, I, uh, I was looking through pictures on my phone to try and find something for my son. He wanted to see like a video or whatever. And I came across this picture. I don't know if it was like in January. And um, and it was a screenshot of Bitcoin at 34,000, like on my phone. And I took it and I remember like tweeting something like, I'm so sick of 34,000 already. And, and like, I was just like, whoa, that was January. <laughs> yeah. was just a couple months ago. You know, yeah. Um, where you know, a lot of people are predicting, you know, 100, 150 pretty soon. I mean, what do you think is gonna take the to kind of set that off? It's hard to say, and honestly, I'm never quite sure if it's actually the news that comes out that that contributes to it. I think it's just that it's the market doing its thing. Realistically, it's the the people that are loading up on Bitcoin have their minds set on it already. Um, And they're buying massive amounts. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Like the types of inflows and the the types of buys that we see are not people like looking at a a clickbait article and being like, oh my God, I got to buy or oh my God, I got to sell for the most part, right? We haven't reached the that level of like 2017 style mania at the peak where everybody and their grandmother were buying all coins i mm-hmm. we haven't gone there yet um i honestly think that it's just a a function of of when people are ready with capital to to purchase bitcoin right now and i mean the leverage too and when when people are betting on price movements and they get liquidated that can expedite moves up and down uh, as we just saw recently but then i think after the fact people will point to news and be like oh it was clearly this this like, was the well, thing yeah like well, this is somebody just the other day was like oh it's well it's because turkey banned bitcoin for use as as transactional you can own it but you can't use it for transactions no that wasn't the re- like people like billions of dollars got wiped up in in leveraged 
leverage longs. So yeah, I, I think that it's much easier to look back and say this, this was the news that did it. I will say that Elon Musk, it does have a disproportionate <laughs> bull on, on Bryce as, as per the 10 K candle, the day that he announced Tesla bought. Um, yeah. So there is some memeing price into existence, but then for it to hold and then go above that price, you know, it's kind of the market doing its thing. So what do I think it's going to do and when? I don't know when. We've been kind of in this kind of 50 to 60K range for, I mean, we first got up here like 10 weeks ago. So we've been, we've had dips and, and, and bumps and everything, but we've been floating around here for quite some time. Um, I don't know in the next, I, I think in the next few months, you'll see a significant upside. I don't know exactly when that hits, but within the year, I would not be surprised to see multiple hundreds of thousands of dollars per coin. Really? So you're, yeah. you're in, okay. I, that's that. And I don't say that surprised, like, cause I, I believe that as well, but I just, it's like every time I hear somebody else, because like in my head, I'm like, I'm crazy. Like, I'm insane for thinking that it's going to be like, you know, 300,000 or 250,000 a coin. And then it's just like, I hear somebody else. I'm like, yes. All right, good. I'm not nuts. Um, I, I made uh, in the last bull run, uh, very early on, I made a video that was, and it's funny because I'm saying, I'm saying like a couple hundred thousand dollars, like in my, in my head, that's basically a given. And I'm, I'm doing my best practice of under promising and hoping to over deliver. <laughs> so yeah. in, in uh, 2017, early in the year, I made a video where I was like, I think Bitcoin's going to go to like 12K or something like that. And so many comments like, you're an idiot. There's no way it's going up that. And then it like doubled that price. <laughs> I think there's so many people saying 200, 300K that, in my head, there's a possibility that we do like, and we're moving quicker, at least initially, we were moving quicker than the 2017 rally. Um, I see there being a possibility where we just that price target where people are like 200k, 300k gets blown out of the water. And, you know, somewhere later in the year, people are saying, Oh, my God, we are so close to a million, it's going to be a million plus anytime. And then the bottom drops out. You know, like I, yeah. I could see, I could see something like that where we're like eight or 900. Everybody's like, this is it. Bitcoin is just, it's just <laughs> gonna, here it's, and it's going to take over the world. And it's now the world reserve currency. And then it just collapses. But the collapse would be laughable because like the bottom end of that would be like 200K or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then we'll be sitting here, like we we're just saying, I can't believe people were bitching about 50K. It'll be like, people will be making videos like, when is it ever going to, you know, drop yeah. out a, a, 20 or 200k you know and, and there will be video people will be like oh my god bitcoin lost thirty thousand dollars in one day like, i oh. know like we, we should do this exact podcast on this exact date um one year in the future when we're all bitching about you know 150 or 200 thousand dollar bitcoin because we had just visited five six seven eight hundred k i i always like it, it is tempting to like you know, I don't do it, but like you, it's like, oh, what if you time the market, sold, and then waited till it dropped, and then bought back in? Um, but you'd have to be incredibly lucky. And knowing my luck, it would be like I would buy, 
or I would sell, and then it would just be like, oh, uh, by the way, the the you know. And NATO has confirmed that the new, you know, world currency is Bitcoin. And I'd be like, no. yeah, yeah. Hyper Bitcoinization is actually here when you finally think you time the market. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, so got to ask a question about that crazy uh, panel you had last oh, Friday. Yeah. How was that and and who did you just did that just start with you sending out a tweet and saying trying to recruit one yeah it well no i i just i straight up yeah i i dropped the entire named panel right off the bat i was like if i could have my dream panel it would be exactly these people actually i didn't include american hodl in there but then quickly after i, I tagged on a tweet i'm like actually i'd throw american hodl in there because he'd he'd add some spice to it uh and thinking full well, like, of course, this is not going to happen. Um, but then Jeff Booth, it like almost immediately shot me a message and was like, yeah, I'm down. Do you want to, <laughs> you want to do it? I'm like, sure. Cause he'd been on the show before. So I was like, oh, that's nice of him. Like I'll fill in the, the missing spots with some other people. And then he's like, do you want me to get a uh, message Preston and see if he'll do it? And Preston had been on the show before too. And I was like, Oh yeah, shoot, sure. Shoot him a message. And then, and then he got back to me and he was like, yeah, no, I'm down too. Like, Oh, Oh, okay. Uh, And so then I messaged Hoddle and I was like, Hey, both these guys are coming on. Do you want to do it? And he kind of laughed. He's like, yeah, sure. Obviously. Um, And then all of a sudden, you know, three of the five were already booked in for that day. And like, it, it wasn't the surprise of them, those three necessarily saying yes, because they had all been on the show before, but like having it work out, that timing actually worked. Yeah. And and then at that point, I was like, oh man, I might be able to get like four of the five. And so then I put out a tweet with like little check marks beside everybody who had said yes. And then Jack Mallers, who I could never get a hold of before, replied to the tweet and said, Yeah, I'm down. Let's do it. <laughs> and then and then all of a sudden that was it. And then Twitter went wild everybody started replying was like this this has to happen now like this is so close to happening and so they start tweeting at michael saylor shooting him messages i can only imagine his inbox must have been inundated with with dms from people um and then finally hodl had tweeted out like just the four check boxes with one missing question mark and uh, Sailor replied to that one and just the internet exploded. And I think somebody, <laughs> somebody tweeted out something like, this is a, a greater, uh, this is a, a greater victory story than cool runnings and like listed a whole bunch of other like <laughs> epic, like movies from childhood. Um, yeah. So, it, I mean, it, it was just Bitcoin Twitter did its thing. And I'm very grateful. And it was a hell of a time. And we had even more people join in, right? Like, I don't know if you were early yeah. enough to ever watch Vortex. Did you watch Vortex no, back I in the didn't. day? So he was incredible. And he basically shaped my view of Bitcoin very early on. Um, he was doing regular podcasts and everything. Great guests. Uh, and then we had Matt O'Dell from Tales from the Crypt jump on and consume copious amounts of whiskey with us. Uh, we had Bitcoin Tina come on and scream and shout between him and Matt O'Dell. We had, uh, Alex Spetsky jump on there. God, I must be forgetting. There, there were too many people to name. It was, it was crazy. I don't even know. (laughs) That was, yeah, that was, that was wild. And, uh, 
and that was my that was my uh lawn care duty uh that was what i was <laughs> listening to i was taking care of stuff around the house on on saturday i was like i saw how long it was i was like sweet because there's nothing worse than whenever you're like i want to listen to podcasts and like something that's going to be really good and last the entire time i'm doing what i'm doing and i saw that i was like oh i'm covered i'm good <laughs> how long it's, was it it was three hours and I don't know, I'm not quite sure at what point in the timeline it switched from like a responsible, well-rounded co- uh, conversation to like a drunken frat party, but it did happen somewhere midpoint. And I think it was not long after Matt O'Dell joined. And then when Michael Saylor left, Bitcoin Tina came on shortly thereafter. And then it was just... <laughs> It, it was just drunken yelling at that point, which was also in its own rights, very, very entertaining. Yeah. Well, so I'm curious if you'd be interested um, then, I guess, I mean, I, I'm talking about this while we're recording. So uh, this is kind of announcing I've thrown around the idea with, um, with uh, I started with Daniel Prince. I said, what do you think about this? Um, and I think uh, guys once and he'd, he'd do it at some point too. And uh, Dan held, um but uh so it sounds like you'd be interested i thought what of doing like a like just a rap session basically of like a bitcoin and beers and basically making like happy hour and just like throwing it up on like youtube and and just inviting people and be like hey if you want to come in and you know like sit here and drink beer with us and drop comments you know like let's do it oh yeah yeah be a blast always and I gotta I'll have to get like the technical side from you how to do that because like that's the one thing I don't understand. I'm like suck like getting people to come in and and all that kind of stuff. And yeah, it's not a Zoom a, thing, right? It's it to do no, I use yeah, I use something called StreamYard, which is basically you have your whole little setup. You can give people a link and they can come in and then you add them to the stage. And so it's it's actually pretty great. I've been using it for a while now. Um, restream does the same kind of deal but it's it's great and you can have it go to whatever platforms you want so i just have to go to youtube and twitter um and then i pull the audio afterwards and upload it as a podcast nice nice um so yeah we'll have to we'll have to do that at some point and i unfortunately right whenever this idea was coming i decided to do like this is my dry january um right now Mm -hmm. Uh, I, can't, yeah. I couldn't do dry January in January because because um, the football playoffs, you know, oh, yeah, like, you yeah. Know, like roll like I'm OK, I'm not doing that. And then the Super Bowl is in February and then March Madness in March um, and usually hockey playoffs start now. But this year uh, we had a little window. So I was like, OK, I'll I'll sneak one in here before hockey playoffs start. Are you a are you a hockey fan? I try to, you know, I'll watch a game when I get the chance. I don't, I haven't had cable in since 2012. (laughs) Yeah. So, so uh, typically if I see a game, I'm usually like at it or I'm at a friend's house uh, watching it, which uh, less people are inclined to have people over these days. Yeah. uh, Which is unfortunate. Um, But when I have friends that are are game, then uh, I, I'll more than happily jump in on that. Of course, like I'm just eternally sad because we have the Calgary flames here and (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Well, you you guys, you guys got robbed in the 2004 Stanley cup final because um, the one in game six overtime, 
and you guys yeah. could have won it at home. And there was a shot that I believe crossed the goal line. Do you know what yeah. I'm talking about? Oh yeah, and I know. It was we, like the we, toe we were save screaming. Or... <laughs> we were screaming at the television when that was happening, and we're like, "It's okay, we'll take it in the last game." And then, of course, that didn't happen. But uh, uh, no, there was nothing more. Like that was probably the saddest day of my life as a hockey fan because um, I was like Tampa. Like nobody yeah. deserves a Stanley Cup less than Tampa Bay, and uh, no. the fans in Calgary deserve it. And then I knew the lockout was coming. So it was like, yeah. I remember thinking like, like telling my friend when we were watching, I was like, this is like a funeral. Like this yeah. is the death of hockey. Um, yeah. And then of course in Pittsburgh, it worked out fantastically because when we uh, got Sidney Crosby the next summer. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. So we yeah. can't really complain, um, you know, cause since 1984, we've had Mario Lemieux, Yarmer Yager, Sidney Crosby, uh, all, all on our. One of them has been on our team at some point during the last since 1984. So, um, yeah, so yeah. Uh, the, we'll we'll cherish our Iggy years and Lanny McDonald was pretty legendary too. Oh yeah. Well, ha- were you old enough to enjoy his Stanley Cup? Was at 89 or 90? I I was not. I was well. I mean, I was alive, but yeah, <laughs> I was not but, cognizant of the fact. Uh, that there was a Stanley Cup playoff, nor was I even living in Calgary at that point. So, uh, yeah, the is they is there still concern that they might move? I don't think so. No. Okay. That that was kind of it was pretty close there for a little bit, wasn't it? I mean, I heard rumblings, but yeah, no, I, I don't think that's going to happen. There's there's too much of a draw in this city to people will people pay for tickets. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah, so I assume nobody's going to any games this year, right? Yeah, no, no. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's a shame. Uh, well, hopefully we can get back into the arenas. Did you play hockey or? I did not. I was not a uh, an excellent uh, team sport kind of person. I I tended to do things that were like solo sport um, leaning, and I and I also I like as I got into high school, I was like break dancing and stuff like that. So that was kind of my, my main shtick. Yeah. I ended up, te- I ended up teaching uh, break dancing for like a decade after high no school. Yeah. That was my main job for a, for a full decade. Um, I would, you could teach me down in Miami um, <laughs> Get and it will be horrific. Um, <laughs> Cause I, I should, I'm like the worst dancer in the world. Um, my wife always, te- cause I literally just, I have like, I have like size 13 and a half feet. And <laughs> I just like, if we're like a wedding or something, I'm just like crushing her toes the whole time. And she's just like used to it at this point. Um, How tall are you? I'm like uh, just a hair under six one. Okay. All right. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, uh, it, for a while there, that was funny when I grew, when I was like hit my growth spurt, my feet grew first. Okay. So like, I looked like a bookend. Where like my feet were just like <laughs> massive, and then like I was like five seven, I was like oh, man. <laughs> wearing like clown yeah. shoes. But yeah, we were back in the. I graduated high school in 04. so like I was in the like the crip walking era, you know, like yeah, yeah, yeah. I oh uh, three for me when I graduated, so we're only a year off each other. Yeah, um, the uh, but yeah, crip walking was big, and we all thought we were really good at it. Um, I mean, I went to like the whitest suburban school and like, there was just like a circle of us. We'd all be like doing our crip walk and it was. Yeah. I, like 
Alberta, Canada, it's <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll get much more white than that, I guess. <laughs> yeah, it, it, uh, well, you turned into a break dancer, but like for me, it's one of those things. If I'm if I think about it while I'm driving down the road or something, like today, like if I was driving down the road and I, I get like so embarrassed. And like I'm in the car by myself and I'm like, oh god, no, like I try to like yell the memory out of my head, like, no, no, that didn't happen. Um, <laughs> but uh, uh but great. yeah, maybe down in Miami we could uh we could do that. So um any quick advice for you know, I mean, I guess this could be for me, but if anyone's listening and they want to, you know, join the Bitcoin Bitcoin content brigade, um, you know, what kind of advice do you have for for uh anyone trying to do it? Um consistency was a big one for me just saying like, Hey, I'm going to put out content every, you know, at every interval. Like for me, it was once a week, every Monday, I'm going to have a video ready and I'm going to put it up. And so that was my goal. And I just stuck to that and um, yeah, keep it consistent because one for your, like mentally you get into the groove of something and, and you'll get better with it over time. Um, also, as people are watching, like anybody that does come to watch you, initially, there won't be many, but they'll learn to expect your show at in certain certain intervals. It's kind of like if there's a show that happens every week for you on on like a streaming platform, you learn to expect it and say, oh, I'm looking forward to that. And so you'll wait for it and you'll, you'll come back and you'll watch it. Um, but when that thing disappears, then you know, you it's, lose, if it's not yeah. regular, yeah, you kind of lose the interest to, to keep up with it. Um, so consistency, and then just, you got to make it, you've got to have something that makes it interesting for people to watch. So, um, you know, try and work on your public speaking, try and work on, on, on things that grab people's attention, uh, whatever that may be, and whatever your skill set may be, just try and make it fun for people to, to consume it. Cause that was the biggest thing for me when I got into it. And that's why I started making videos partially was because not only was it difficult to learn, but I wasn't having fun doing the learning. Right. Yeah. I wasn't like, Oh, this is such like, this guy's such a perfect speaker as they are. They're explaining how to do this. It was like, Oh man, trying to dredge through like, like very poorly written explain explanations of how to set things up. Um, was tough. And so just to put it in a nice, easy to consume kind of fun uh, piece of content was kind of the goal. And so hopefully that has happened and, and hopefully people can learn from my initial mistakes and uh, growth over the past five years. Yeah. Yeah. I'm hoping to do the same thing. Yeah. That's what you gotta, that's Daniel Prince right off the bat. He told me, he said, you gotta just consistency, you know, just gotta keep yeah. going. It, it is kind of funny. I mean, right now, it is amazing to me that there's like, I can tell analytics wise, it's the same group of people that listen, you know, and, and it's like, it's not many, you know, it's a couple hundred, but you're like, Whoa, really? Like there's, yeah. there's people that legitimately come back and they're like, Oh, I want to listen to that. And it keeps growing. So, I mean, who knows? Um, well, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Cause uh, yeah. Yeah. Man, you know, no worries. Little, little Bitcoin podcast that could, um, <laughs> And, uh, but yeah, well, uh, where can people find you and, you know, check out your show? Yeah. Uh, so in terms of like interacting, getting in contact with me, best place is Twitter. I'm always on Twitter at BTC sessions, pretty easy to find. And then, uh, yeah, YouTube, just search BTC sessions, uh, and you will see my, uh, characteristic 
blonde streaked, ridiculous hair in <laughs> cartoon form. You can find me there. And uh, outside of that, yeah, those, those are kind of my two main platforms that I stick to. Although from time to time, I do some uh, beginner Q and A's and stuff on clubhouse, which is a fun kind of audio only platform. So yeah, check me out in those places. Yeah, I haven't I haven't dabbled in Clubhouse yet, but I'm sure I'll have to try that at some point. Sounds yeah, like man. fun. Um, all right. Well, Ben, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, no worries. Thanks for having me.